With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded <coughs> live. All right. Good evening, everybody. It is Saturday, November 12th, 2016. And we are here tonight with uh, two speakers. We have Monty Montgomery tonight. And we've got a special appearance by Paul. I forgot to ask Paul. Can I say your last name? Um, sure, why not? Paul Tuzzi. And uh, we're going to have an interesting discussion, which is basically what we're going to do. And because uh, we had a discussion earlier this week with... Uh, Monty and Paul, and it was like, wow, this is really cool. And so Monty suggested that Paul join on the call because I think he's got some interesting things to say. So, uh, Monty, did you want to start this off? Do you have something you want to say? No, I'm I'm all ears. <laughs> I was afraid of that. <laughs> well, so, how do you want to start the conversation, I guess? Yeah, I know. What were, what were we talking about earlier this week? Um, okay, you want property. my take? Something, something about property, right? It was like property taxes or something oh. of that nature? Well, uh, it, has yes, to do with, it has to do with conveyances of titles. Correct. Okay, how at her. <laughs> so, we're talking about property taxes, and I think, Paul, you were stating something to the effect of, well, you got to deed it to yourself or something like that. Um, technically, according to the, you know, land title records and the bureaus and how they operate, uh, typically you truly aren't the owner of your property until you are the grantor back to the property. Um, because technically when you received your original deed, it was only signed by the grantor originally. Um, and since you never signed the deed, they just put it on the record. It created a what you call a joint title of ownership to the property because the county truly can't own the property because of the laws that were set into place because of land records. Um, so they technically took a, what do you call it, clouded title and uh, basically managing it because nobody else stood up and took their title back. So that was our basic conversation. Good job. <laughs> How's that? Is, is that a little clearer? <laughs> yeah. So if you want to mm-hmm. take title back, mm-hmm. uh, go through and uh, maybe you want to maybe go through step by step how to do that or something. Um, technically, you have a deed on, on record. You were the original grantee. They understand you were the grantee. Um, we don't really realize because of the way the 
uh, laws were written, but they divided the title. Typically, they gave you a deed with easements and things like that on your on your title, which included all the sub um, you sub utilities. Like if you're in certain areas, you know, urban areas that have water, sewer, and uh, electrical uh, areas, they all have easements on your property. Well, they own the land underneath through the um, that they've assigned to the Department of uh, Army or through the Department of uh, DOD, which is the uh, U.S. Army, and or the um, or the, the Marines, excuse me, not the Marines, but the um, uh, Navy under the uh, maritime. For if you're on the waterways, because you know that's the only way they could take title back to the property and actually manage all the surface and subsurface uh, properties. That's how they drag people into court because they go into a secret session because of the, um, you know, land commissioners and stuff that take care of the underground utilities. And since you had an easement and you never accepted your deed originally, technically you are still a renter on the land, whether you thought you bought it or not. You were not, you never bought it because they never gave you a receipt. All they did was put a lien on your property if you mortgaged it. And that mortgage is technically the lien that the county enforces to remove you from your property if you're not a good tenant on the land. So technically you need to rebut that presumption that you did pay something for your title and you have to accept your title and become the grantor grantee on an assignment through some type of counter deed or land patent process to um, take your title back or your property back to actually own your property. Now, can I interject one quick thing here? Absolutely. Just a reminder, insofar as how to go about that, mm -hmm. uh, just always keep in the back of your mind, there is no statute of limitations on fraud. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, because technically you were. You had interest in the property, and if you, even if you were removed from your property, you had interest in the property. Um, I'm going just, back to the actual mm -hmm. when you purchased it or that sort of thing. You're you're talking about mm -hmm. deeds and that sort of thing. If right. there was fraud, fraud involved in that in any way, mm -hmm. you can you can raise it again. I don't care if it's 200 years old. You can raise it mm -hmm. again because there's no uh, statute of limitations on fraud. Mm -hmm. Can't do it twice, yeah. but you can do it the first time. Well, I mean, technically, well, you got to realize the first time they put a mortgage lien on your property, they liened your property for $10. Everybody that got thrown out of their property got thrown out because they didn't pay a $10 lien to the county. They, they say that you owed for a mortgage, but they didn't. Technically, they put a non-lien on the record, and it was for $10. That's why all the courts are non-triable, because that's why they're under Admiralty Maritime because they're only a $10 lien against them. That's why that's why everybody keeps arguing, but there's nothing to argue. There was a $10 lien on your property. You didn't pay the $10 lien. They didn't tell you it was a $10 lien. They had to put a $20 bond in there. That's it. And they claim they own your property. And since you didn't, you know, step up and say you have a more superior claim and or accept your deed and get rid of the... Um, false claim about a mortgage that was on the record. There's no mortgage. It was a security agreement. 
they exchanged a credit at closing that you paid, whether by cash or by mortgage, took your promissory note, you know, for there actually to be on the mortgage, the mortgage and note should have been recorded together. And since it wasn't, that means they turned it into a cash item and basically took your credit and um, put a false lien on the record. That's where the fraud came in. Good. That's a good How's description. That? That's a good description. Is that a little easier to... Uh... Yeah, it's more palatable. Okay, Absolutely. good. <laughs> I'm amazed I can say that clearly because I don't have any teeth. Okay. <laughs> well, I've had to... Um, it's taken a long time. Um, I was a real estate broker for 35 years, so wow. uh, understand the mortgage business, understand the land business. Um, unfortunately, I didn't understand the whole business. Um, towards the end of my career, I was doing the mortgage um, short sales and uh, foreclosures and stuff like that until I found out what was really happening, and then I stopped. I gave up my real estate license and gave it back to him. Good for so, you. Tells me you have a okay. conscience. Um, there you go. <laughs> the uh, well, um, I don't know how many. We got uh, several people listening in, Ted. Yeah, we got a few. Okay. Um, anybody want to ask questions at this point before we continue? Anybody want to ask questions at this point? Hit star eight or throw something up on the chat. Preference is given to callers. Sorry, right. chirp, chirp. Not yet. Um, it would appear at this point that we don't have any questions. Okay. Um, you mind if I put in your call? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Mind if I what? Um, well, I was going to butt in with some suggestions insofar as how to uh, remedy that sort of thing. Well, we do have a question that popped up on the board. All right, let's hear it. Where would easements be listed on the deed? Um, they would be called appurtenances. Uh, typically, the word appurtenances means um, any kind of underground utility, as in uh, pipes, underground electricity, um, gas, all that. All right. In other words, yep. anything anything attached or connected to it. Correct. Correct. Anything attached, because what you own is uh, what you purchase is a structure on the surface. Whether it, you know, it, I know it has footings or whatever else it has on the property, but technically, your building is attached above grade, and whatever they own is below grade. So that's how they split titles and um, took ownership back and basically allowed the uh, government, you know, the U.S. government to take, you know, the um, underground utilities through their, um, basically underground, under your surface rights. So that's what they did. Kind of like staking a mining claim under private property. Yes, yeah, that's how they're taking stakes to private property because your your deed wasn't 
properly countered or properly uh, recorded. Um, land, land patent rights are supposed to be signed by a grantor and grantee. Um, since you never signed them as a grantee, technically after you received them as a grantee, now they want you to be a grantor before you can truly be the owner of the property. So you need to do a counter deed or a deed that's going to uh, be like a bill of sale back to yourself, from yourself to yourself, kind of basically taking care of the you know, title situation. Okay, so I know from experience in the court that they view that kind of thing, or at least that's what they call it, as a self-serving document. They generally don't allow it. They oh no they no they truly do not like that at all because that takes them out of the picture and they no longer can charge you taxes on land that's why right well literally you just took them out of, you just took your property off the record that's why right mm-hmm. okay now uh, I'm gonna rattle off a, a bunch of uh, they are related but a bunch of factoids that are that factor into this. Mm-hmm. I don't know about other states, but in the state of Idaho, if somebody dies, regardless of the circumstances, if somebody dies and they're buried on that property within 24 hours, the state and the county has no jurisdiction. If they want to um, investigate, they have to get a court order to exhume the body. Hmm. They really, okay. they really don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're yeah, talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're not just talking about a gravesite here. We're talking about above ground and below ground. But mm-hmm. um, the other thing, when we were talking earlier this week, I mentioned the uh, indenture in the form of a grant deed, and that yeah sounds like it comes pretty close to what you're saying needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I do mm-hmm. um, is I incorporate wording into the documents and it's ranging anywhere from traffic tickets all the way to foreclosures, that sort of thing. Okay. Is um uh, well let's see, I need to preface this. In the Declaration of Independence it says that um it starts right off in the second sentence, I believe. That um, all men are endowed by their creator. Mm-hmm. With certain un- unalienable rights. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's there is a difference, a very large difference between unalienable and inalienable. Mm-hmm. And if you look at your modern law dictionaries, like a Black's Eight, mm-hmm. they, they don't they don't even define unalienable. They just say they define inalienable, and say uh, uh, what is it? It's uh, oh, also known as unalienable, and that is very <laughs> misleading. That's very misleading. <clears throat> They're about as as synonymous as a bean shooter with a fifty caliber rifle. Hmm? They're they're totally different. So um, the inalienable rights are subject to the will of the king or the monarch who operates under the divine right of kings. Mm-hmm. The Declaration broke that and said unalienable, which meant we all have, we're all endowed equally 
by the creator. There's no one higher. Mm-hmm. So, um, that kind of gives you an index on the um, difference. So, if it's unalienable and rights, they're, they're, these rights are an endowment. If you look up the term endowment, dower, and dowry, they all have to do with property. There are legal distinctions between those three words, but they all boil down to property. Okay? Yep. And uh, they can't tax endowment. They can't lien endowment. So typically what I do on my documents of that, re- that where it's appropriate, I'll put in um, the leading phrases, you know, where you say, no, I'll men by these precepts. In, ex- er, uh, <clears throat> in exercise of my divine endowment of the right to acquire, use, and dispose of property. That summarizes pursuit of happiness. Um, then you just put in the rest of the language, whatever you're going to do. What you're doing is you're taking it out of their reach because hmm, um, they can't monkey with an unalienable endowment. I don't care who it is. You always come back to, well, okay, where's your enabling authority that empowers you to do so? Hmm. All right? Now, that can be incorporated into that uh, indenture in the form of a grant deed that language. And the other thing I do at the end, where I've done this a couple of times in the federal courts, um, where at the end of a sworn statement or an affidavit, they want it certified to be the truth. And the way I phrase that, so I really nail it down, is uh, that I affirm, solemnly affirm, the foregoing to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the whole truth, to the extent I am able to perceive it and articulate it. Hmm. That can't be, they can't pry that one apart. <laughs> Didn't imagine they could. All right. Um, So at any rate, I've I've interjected that into this thing. So um, let's bounce it back to you. Your thoughts on that in relation Um, to what we've been talking about? I think that's huge. Um, Yeah, you're right. Um, And yeah, that's the reason why when people go to the county to get their deeds transferred or to um, muddy up the waters, as they call it, over there at the counties, they don't like you to take your property back. They want you to be a tenant and always be a tenant on the land and not the owner. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, I don't generally try, go out of my way to alienate or uh, take off people in the counties because, you know, they're just mm-hmm. ordinary people like us. They don't understand what's going on. Um, but if it comes down to it, if I get somebody who just, you know, is going to be a hard case, 
Mm-hmm. You say, well, okay, I'm exercising a divine endowed right. Mm-hmm. Do this or do that or whatever. Are you uh, claiming, making a claim adverse to that? Because if you are, I want to see the enabling authority that empowers you to do that. Well, I don't have well, to show you that. Yeah, I don't have to show you that or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of these hard cases do that. I say, yeah. fine. Tell you what, you can either do it or mm-hmm. I will file a writ of quorum rento against you in the Supreme Court and have you removed from office. How's that sound? <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the thing to understand about the writ of quo warranto, it's a prerogative writ, not subject to um, the, the courts aren't empowered to say uh, they'll entertain it or not. They have to entertain it. It's like a habeas corpus, which, by the way, habeas corpus is a subset of quo um, warranto. Because coerento means by what authority? When you do a writ of habeas corpus in a criminal case, mm-hmm. basically putting the writ in that says to the jailer, um, produce the authority for incarcerating this individual. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or turn him loose. Mm-hmm. So, quorento, there's three things that you can use quorento for. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the first is, and this is more traditional, um, is where you're challenging somebody's right to hold public office. They're not lawfully in office. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, quorento is used to uh, force them to produce. And by the way, the respondent has the burden of proof in this act, in a coerento, not the not the demandant. Hmm. Okay. Okay. They got to produce the proof. And they're the respondent. So hmm, the second thing that you can use a coerento for on anyone, I don't care who it is, except the president, because the uh, that's already provided for under impeachment powers. But um, you can take anybody else out of office on a Uh The second one is uh, abuse or misuse of the office. Hmm? And the third is neglect or non-use of the office. In other words, if you file a criminal complaint against somebody and they don't act on it, that subject to Corrento. You can take a sheriff out. You can take a um, police officer out. You can take anybody out. I don't care if they claim to be an employee or otherwise. And if they try to claim that they haven't taken the Article 6 oath, it's mandatory on all branches of government. And it says in there also very specifically, it's the supreme law of the land, um, anything in the Constitution or laws of the states, several states, notwithstanding, they have no argument. So basically you say, okay, where's your authority? Show it. 
Because if you don't, I want him removed from office. And the court has no option. They have their hands are tied. They have to issue the writ, which means uh, somebody's looking for a job. <laughs> so who's the authority that takes them out? Just the judge? No. You have to. Um, they they try to convince you that they have discretion over these writs, and they don't. No, they yeah right yeah. No. Okay, they're prerog- <laughs> they're prerogative writs, mm-hmm. um, and that would include like mandamus, prohibitions, certiorari, uh, habeas corpus, covarento. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are all prerogative writs, mm-hmm. which means they are, they issue directly from the crown. They issue directly from us, the people. And okay. their uh, Cuomo like the others, comes under the provisions of the Article 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights, which are declaratory and restrictive clauses. They have no authority to monkey with those. The other thing I want to repeat, I think I've mentioned this before, in Article 9 of the Bill of Rights, it talks about people and rights. In Article 10, it talks about states, and in other words, government, state governments, states and powers. States have no rights; they only have powers. And a power is the means by which a right is given, made manifest, or, or given exercise. So, under both those articles, you have what you do is you do up the writ um, as a demandant. The respondent would be the um, other party that's um, without authority abused the office to uh, either that or failed to perform their office uh, to your benefit. Mm -hmm. And they're obligated to produce their authority for doing that or not doing that. And if they cannot, then the red issues and they're out of a job. With the procedure on that is, is you do up the writ and you deliver it to the, um, oh, and the, the caption on it, that's another important part. The caption is, the people of the state of, and I'm talking title case, not all caps, the people of the state of <clears throat> whatever, Oklahoma, Oregon, whatever, and then below that, XREL on, means on the relation of XREL and then your name because you're the agreed party. You're the one giving the you're the one giving the command. You're the one doing the writ. Then you send that to the attorney general for the state. If he declines to prosecute the writ in the Supreme Court, which is where it belongs, it's an original writ. They have original jurisdiction. If he declines to prosecute that writ, then it automatically comes back to you to prosecute as a private attorney general with the full authority of the state attorney general. They don't like people knowing that. That's how it works. That's true. So, and... And, you know, if you want a conditions precedent for that, I think in the declaration you mentioned where they say uh, the legislative powers incapable of annihilation return to the people. Hmm? 
Okay, that's the condition precedent. Um, and these bar maggot, black robe bar maggots, will do everything they can to dissuade you and convince you that it does not the way it works. And the way you always come back is you just say, okay, fine. If that's true, show me the enabling authority that empowers <laughs> the state of whatever or any mm -hmm. of its instrumentalities to compel me not to exercise my divinely endowed rights. Well, it would be difficult for them to show you that because, first of all, they never even put up a bond, let alone had authority. Yeah, but you don't want to get into arguing the merits. Right. First, you want to say, where's your authority? Let's see it. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, I'm damaged, and where's my bond? Because now I'm a damaged individual. <laughs> well, the thing is, on a Comorento, you're not looking for money. There's, there's no, 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 absolutely not. No, no, there's I didn't mean it that other, way. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's another remedy for those sorts of things if you want damages or money or that sort of thing. But Comorento uh, Col has one object, and that one object only, and that's to remove somebody from an office. And in today's world, that's a career, uh, that's career suicide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're going to have to do a webinar on how to do that. There's a lot of information out there if you, you know, dig around for it and read it on Colorento, mm -hmm. but it's, it's very interesting uh, because you don't hear much about it. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it's too damaging to the uh, legal profession. Yeah, if they're, <laughs> I mean, if they knew that, you know, I mean, technically their licenses aren't licenses. They're just an association. And, right. Um, well, realize this. That, yeah, yeah, realize this. Yeah. In, the, mm -hmm. in the constitutions, most mm -hmm. of them, mm -hmm. um, the Supreme Court of the state or the Supreme Court of the United States, they mm -hmm. have the judicial authority to uh, set their own rules, mm -hmm. uh, which can include who can practice before their bar. Mm -hmm. All right? So yeah. that part, uh, you know, the admission of uh, bar maggots to their bar, um, mm -hmm. that's constitutional. What is not constitutional is they are using the courts as a place of business for personal profit and gain, and they are not licensed under the seal of the state to do that. That comes from no. the executive branch, not the judicial. Right. right, yeah, they have no authority that way. No, none. Right. So yeah, they're, they're, private, doing, they're doing business, business without a license. <laughs> yeah, doing it without a license. There is no license. If you look in your state... Um, um, basically, where the uh, companies are registered and stuff, um, they're not registered because they're not registered business. They're private. Those are private. Basically, those are private businesses. Um, and actually, because their laws are copyrighted, um, yeah. actually, it's under Sherman Antitrust. I mean, it's an antitrust violation because these guys have private copyrighted businesses that allow them the right to exercise the 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 um, processes that help you um you know succeed in your in your um rebuttal or complaint and it's all copyrighted yeah well 
the uh, that's why they say the codes are just evidence of the law. It's not the law itself. <laughs> yeah, um, right. yeah. And if you want to buy into it, then it becomes the law of the case. But um, yeah. okay. The uh, how about an exercise? I don't know if anybody wants to do this or not. I mean, my life has been filled with these kind of exercises. And you know, I've taken, a, I've gotten a few bumps and bruises from it, but <laughs> it was educational. <laughs> if somebody there wants to, they can go to, <clears throat> somebody can go down to the Secretary of State's office and say, "I want the Articles of Incorporation for the Oregon State Bar, Idaho State Bar, the California State Bar, whatever, Michigan State mm-hmm. Bar," mm-hmm. and uh, I want the Articles of Incorporation because I want to know if they're committing ultra buyers. First of all, oh, and um, I also want their EIN number. Mm-hmm. The EIN number is proof positive that they are a corporation. They are not part of the government. Mm-hmm. Now, you could do the same thing with the uh, um, Supreme Court of the state, whatever, you say, I want the court's EIN number. Yep. And I happen to know in Oregon that um, all the courts operate under the same EIN number. From the Supreme Court all the way down to the little municipal courts. Oh. They have the same um, EIN is it, number. Is huh? it the state judiciary? Is it the state judiciary then? Yeah. That's how they're registered with the IRS. Yeah, um, their, tr- their state treasury has one EIN, and then their judiciary has another EIN number. Well, yeah, I mean, in Oregon, there's a whole there's a whole sheet of EINs. Um, one is for the judiciary. There's another one for the governor's office. There's another one for mm-hmm. the state police. There's another one for mm-hmm. all yeah, these right. different branches. It's all corporate. Yes, all corporate. And, the, uh, and they're you know, you're going to run into some resistance on that. I had uh, one county clerk one time here in Idaho. I said, I want the, uh, he, I had a guy with me who had just given them some money for um, some copies from the record. And they had given him a receipt. Mm-hmm. And she came out and uh, I handed her a W-9. <laughs> and she said, um I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give you the EIN number. And I said, "Well, you know, per the IRC, there's a fifty dollar fine every time you refuse to do that." Mm-hmm. She says, "I know." And I I looked over at this other guy and I said, uh, "Tony, um, I I believe this gentleman here has a receipt that he gave you money, and we have to report that. So here's the mm-hmm. W9." She says, "I'm not going to fill it out." And, uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, well, there, you know, again, there's a $50 fine every time you refuse under the IRC. Mm-hmm. He says, I know. So what? So what? Sue me. Other people have tried. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what I didn't do at the time, mm-hmm. what I could have done was I could have done a writ of call or rent and taken her out of office. Yes. How long does that take to go through? Huh? (laughs) How long does that take to if you went through it step by step? What? Corporento? Yeah. 
the uh, preparation is probably going to take more time than anything, unless the officials drag their feet, which does happen occasionally. Uh huh. Well, they try and figure out a way around it. <laughs> now they have to be careful with that because if they if they very obviously uh, obstruct uh-huh. you in the in the prosecution of that writ, they themselves become subject to the writ. <laughs> yes, but who's going to enforce it at that point? Well, even the judge doesn't dare. The judge, even the judge, has to be careful with that. Yes, because um, if he's not, he's going to become subject to a writ himself. <laughs> but who's going to enforce it? Well, you remember that thing I sent you on. Uh, the uh, statutes preserve the uh, citizens' arrest and posse commentatus powers. Okay. You march down with some people and you arrest the son of a bitch. Yep. Mm, interesting. Okay. I mean, this isn't stuff that, uh, who was it, um, one of the patriots, uh, Patrick Henry or somebody, said he'd rather have the animating contest of, of uh, maintaining <laughs> liberty than to bow down and... <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Give me liberty. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't... It has a price. I mean, you can't sit back and rest on your laurels. If you want your liberty, you're going to have to um, stand up and and do something. That is true. <laughs> okay. So, Good. the idea is... You don't have to punch somebody in the nose, but if you don't do it that way, you're going to have to get real good with the language. You're mm-hmm. going to have to be able to know what the words mean and know how to articulate yourself to put these people in the box, because that's all they're doing to you. Right. That's all. That's all I. That's all I do. I've learned enough of the language that I can turn anything they throw at me 180 degrees. They, they really do not like me in open court. <laughs> No. I'll give you a war story on that one time. Um, I was a witness in some case. I think it was a state case. And there was a jury. And um, I was asked a question. And I started to answer it. And there was an objection from one of the attorneys. And the judge says, well, you need to confine your answer to this. And And I said, I looked at the judge and I said, well, I'll tell you what. I just took a solemn oath tell the whole truth and nothing but the whole truth so if there's some part of the whole truth you don't want this jury to hear would you mind telling me what that whole that part of the whole truth is and I'll see if I can do that honorably keep my oath <laughs> now I scored points with the jury but I certainly pissed off the judge <laughs> yeah <laughs> so are you guys ready to take any questions uh, um, I'm going to defer to Paul on that yeah. first, and I'm I'm always ready. I'm <laughs> never mind. I won't go there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So well, yeah. Go ahead. All right. I think John has a question. John, when your phone mutes and unmutes, go ahead and talk. Okay. Can you? Yes. Go ahead. Oh. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Oh, all right. Um, now I've um, <clears throat> I've done some of the quo too. Um, uh, especially against uh, third-party debt collectors. But recently, in a case uh, 
my wife had that uh, third-party debt collector brought her into court. Um, and I said, the judge says, well, you can't do any of this because you're not party to this. You don't have power of attorney. So we filed, um, her, she filed a standing under the book of Ruth, giving me power of attorney. So I went back and fought, refiled a quo warranto. Uh, and uh, we got into court, and the judge, he kind of, he kind of stuttered. Uh, and I says, I'm here to um, protect my mate. Um, you have the paperwork. And he looked at it. He says, I can't, like, he says, I, I won't allow this. I, I will not allow this. Uh, step back. And he had this big bruiser push me back uh, out of the bar to the seats. And he says, I find for the plaintiff. And walked out. What's your take on yeah. that, Monty? Well, he didn't threaten you with contempt, did he? No, but you know, the, the funny thing was, I uh, was in a court before, and when I went in there, the whole court was stripped. It looked like somebody came in and cleaned everything. There were no flags, <laughs> nobody in there except the judge, my wife, myself, this big bruiser cop, and the clerk. There's your court. Well, another thing you need to remember when you're in open court and they have their bully boys in there. Um, I mean, we've filled up courthouse uh, courtrooms in the past with so many people, about evenly divided between the uh, hired mercenaries and the uh, other people. You just look at him and say, you, I do not give you permission to touch my body. If you do, I will pauperize you. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I do not give you permission to touch my body. I do not give you permission to touch my body, and if you do, I will pauperize you. Hmm. In other words, take everything he owns until he's so broke he's oh, a pauper. Yeah. yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um. You also got to realize in the courts. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, you got to realize in those courts, those judges get a 30% profit sharing check uh, for whatever the amount of charges is they've already collected on you. And uh, they get it put in their retirement account free and clear so that they don't have to pay any taxes. That judge is only an administrator and he's only a witness. He files a IRS form that he's just a witness along with the prosecutor and or the other attorney. So they don't represent nobody. They're just witnesses right. to a crime of taxes that are owed. That's what they're mm-hmm. there for. So can I, can I send this uh, same coarto up to the attorney general and tell him to go tell the judge to go bad? Well, you know, you want to you get hatted up or uh, learn how to prepare these things. Um, right. All I've all I've given is an overview of how the Colorento works. Uh, there's very specific wording that has to go in there. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be a lot simpler if you weren't going to meet resistance from the bar maggots. But because of that, 
uh, you have to be extremely careful. It's a path that will get you where you want to go, but it's extremely narrow, and there's lots of ways to fall off of it. Um, there's, there's a couple other ways to go that route. You can go back and um, um, you can basically go back in and have a reconsideration of the case. You know, file for a reconsideration, and then you file a bill of particulars, which means they have to produce all the bonds and things that are on the record. Um, within 15 days after you're asking for the bill of particulars. And, uh, and if they don't get it under Rule 57, under the federal rules, you can go back and get a default judgment on them, you know, for them I not did. producing the bill of particulars. I did ask for the bonds. Yeah. Well, you can ask for the bonds, but unless you ask for a bill of particulars on the record, mm -hmm. um, that's the only way you get relief in those admiralty courts. If they ask for a bill of particular, and that means the plaintiff had to have a bond to bring a case. And that can relate to something as simple as a traffic ticket because absolutely, tra yeah. the traffic citation is a security. So you can ask mm -hmm. for them to, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but I believe all mm -hmm. securities have to have a tracking number. They do. They have a reference number that's tied to accusive, yeah. Yep, okay. every single one. So, mm -hmm. so you you ask uh, as part of your discovery, you want to know the tracking number on this security styled as uniform mm -hmm. traffic citation da da da, and that's going to cause problems for them because now yeah. you're proving that they're engaged in commerce <laughs> under the guise of mm -hmm. police power. Right. When you put yeah. com commerce under the guise of police power, that is unconstitutional in so many different ways I can't even begin yeah. to enumerate them. And and they don't have that taxing authority under that power. And that's what right. it is. It's a tax. Well, but that's no different. I mean, what you've got is a RICO action if they want to go there. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Yes, you right. do. Mm -hmm. But that uh, citation is also a check. So you got to realize that too. <laughs> it all starts with what you put your signature on. It does, and exactly how you do it too. <laughs> so we got a question from Oregon. All right, is it Genevieve? We'll find out. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to tell you who I am. You have to guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you say I got a question or two, I know who it is. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'd like to talk to Paul, please. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll listen. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> Actually, I do have a question for you, Paul. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, if you, gosh, you know, I'm not, I don't know shorthand, so I don't know if I'm going to ask this question properly, but you said to take a document to the county in mm -hmm. order to take your um, property back. Mm -hmm. uh, wh what would the name of the document be? Technically, it would be uh, some kind of grant deed um that you're doing you've basically given yourself back a grant deed but here's the thing it's got to be a grant deed in a form of a um has to be a grant deed in a in a form of uh, consideration uh typically a lot of the old time laws 
that said, it said in and for consideration in the amount of $10 in hand for all goods and services of value. And once that's on that document, basically now you've done a grant and transfer, but you got to do it as the grantor uh, from you as the grantor back to you as the grantee. You need to be, your signature needs to be on that document to take back the property. But as I said before, they don't like their slaves getting off the reservation. So they're going to give you a hard time over it. Okay. Um, would would that be preferred to bringing a land patent forward? Um, you know what? The land patent is still the um, under the, um, what do they call it, the uh, fee simple uh, absolute on property, the land patent still is a superior claim over anything that they've given you. You know what I mean? That's why they typically, if you look at your deed, you know your deed. I mean, if you have if you have meets and bounds, obviously your description is not on your deed. But if you have like a simple lot or something of a description for your property, uh, they put it on the deed. But otherwise, it's still called under an Exhibit A, and they usually attach the Exhibit A, which means it's not really part of your deed. So they don't annex it, which means that they would attach it to your deed. They make it an exhibit, which means it's not part of the deed. So that way they can't they, – they can still take the ownership back to the property through their half they own through, which they granted back to the U.S. Army. You know what I mean? They, belong, they own the sub-rights underneath the land. So they, they can provide you utilities or whatever else. Okay. Under, I mm-hmm. – I have a hard time with this because I bought uh I bought land. I only bought a lot in okay. in the in the city limits. Okay. And it doesn't have any underground utilities except for uh a drainage uh between my lot and the street. Does uh, the area have sewer, water or gas in there? I have sewer going from my house to to the pipe in the street. Yes, okay. Yes, that would be your appurtenances. Okay. And but they're not list they don't say anything about appurtenances on my uh on my deed. Um there should be something describing the underground parts. Typically it's appurtenances or a fix there too. Um there's yeah, easement. Yeah, there also has to be easement, right? Excuse me. Yes, there there has to be some type of easement either through the agricultural. It'll have on there that it's under the agricultural department, or um, under farmland. And it doesn't it's, say it, anything those are the like only that. descriptions. Um, they should. I mean, what did you get a quick claim deed or a warranty deed? I have a warranty deed. Well, I see now. I have a deed of reconveyance. And then I have the it's a a warranty deed. When you originally got your first warranty deed, you were on there as a grantee, right? I think so. <laughs> now oh, yeah, I can't. I'm sure you are. I've got plenty yeah. of papers here. Um <laughs> and your land title company never let you sign the deed. They just directly took it over to the county and recorded it. Because yes, you didn't did. get a right to sign. I, I, yes, ma'am. Thirty-five <laughs> years. 
I've done thousands of them. I know. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem like the city has any, you know, any. Um... You never accepted your deed. Uh, well. And if you borrowed money on the property, it still has the ten dollar lien on it. You got to pay off. That's I didn't. The county. I didn't borrow money. I paid the people who owned it were just a private party. Okay, so you did a land contract or something on that. Yeah. Oh, and I do have a mm-hmm. warranty deed. Okay, I found it. Mhm. And you're saying what are the words that I'm supposed to be looking for? There'd be easements. Eas- um subject to easements and appurtenances or, you know, or under farmland or typically depending on how the subdivision was originally platted, uh it would have those type of verbiages in that section. Okay, so I see uh, microfilm records of the county, covenants, conditions, and restrictions. There it is right there under the covenants and restrictions. The restrictions is restricting you from owning your whole property. Oh, okay. (laughs) And you're only a tenant on the land. Well, damn. (laughs) (laughs) They don't feel bad. Everybody is. Everybody thought, even if they paid cash, they thought they owned the land. They didn't. The title company only gave them half title, and they never had them sign the deed with the original owner. If they would have done that, then they would have been the true owner of the property. And technically, they would have signed it and not put it back into the county. They would have just given them a memorandum or something like that. That would be the only thing that would have been required at that point. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... You, uh, you do not Once you title it back to yourself, you do not want to put it back on the, on the original land public records, you need a private recording and all you need to give them is a memorandum that the title has been transferred and that it's owned by the owner and not by the county. So that's how you do it. That's how you preserve it in the public is by a notice or a memorandum or something. It's a notice of memorandum. Yep. That's that's it right there. A notice of memorandum? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Of a private recording. Yes, of a private ownership and transfer has been done, and this is the lawful owner of the property, and here's my memorandum. Would this would this be um, oh would this be as good as or almost as good as a land patent? Well, even a land patent, I mean, those are really good. But here's the thing: once you transfer title and ownership through the land patent. You can't still put it back on the record because now you're giving them back title. And that's why you have to do this grant deed to, and typically the original land patents have a grant deed conveyance. They have a grant deed that shows that there was an acknowledgement, delivery, and acceptance. And those are the three words under a deed that give you back title back to the property, that it was delivered and accepted and um, delivered. You know what I mean? So that yeah. all parties know that, you know, the deed has been transferred. Here's a memorandum to show who the true owner of the property is. Now it's basically you send them a notice that this property is private and please take me off your tax rolls. They, as I said, they don't like their slaves being free. Uh, I would imagine not. <laughs> no, they do not. I mean, technically, real property was never supposed to be taxed. Never. And this is how they get away from, they're, they're not supposed to own property by perpetuity, like just like the banks. The banks are entitled to the, the security instruments. They're not entitled to your house. But they worked out this little deal with your local county to um, come back in and say, hey, they owed us money after they've already cashed the promissory note. 
and they had no security because that debt was already paid. All they did was violate the Mortgage Satisfaction Act because they did not, they put a false lien on the record, but since it was only for $10, it's not triable by jury, which means oh. you can't go back after them. Oh. That's why it's only $10. Just oh. like every, all these court cases are only $10. You go to jail for $10, you go to, you lose your property for $10. Um, tax foreclosure is the same thing. They put a non lien on you on a UCC. File it in the county for $10. They give them a $20 bond, $20 in cash to cover the bond because they have to do a double double the indemnity, and that's it. But nobody Genevieve, pays the bond off. Genevieve, he is absolutely 100% correct in that. Thank you for the backup. I really appreciate that, Monty. And Paul, wow. Do you have, Paul, do you have um, mm-hmm. any uh uh, uh, resources that you could recommend uh, reading uh, to understand this better? Um, book of real estate. <laughs> Paul's book of real estate, yeah. Um, technically, um, all this falls under the Torrens Act, mm. which was funny, but it was written by the University of Michigan um, for, the, um, for the government. Uh, many years ago, you know, the uh, attorney generals and all the people that have authority on the federal level learn from the Michigan, but they they know about Admiralty Maritime, and they know about the Torrens Act. The Torrens Act is basically where they took the property that was that was transferred to the, you know, as I said, usually the parcel that was originally Lampanton was given to the U.S. Army. So that the U.S. government has the right to come back in under their District of Columbia zip code and come back and damage you. Girl. By the, by the way, uh, Paul, my understanding is I did some research on this some years ago, mm-hmm. and not not all the states adopted the Torrens Registry Act. There is a few that do not. That is correct. Yes. And what uh, our, what difference would no, that make? Um, because then there might be under the original land patent section, oh, and then I see. under and that it was redivided back under the uh, Platt Act. So that would give you your covenant to, um, or co- or they can convert your property back to them. So, so but yeah, nobody your recommendation nobody. to better understand what you're speaking about would be to take a look at the Torrens Act. Yeah, it's going to be hard to find because typically most of that material. Is um, there's there was eight books written, and um, they are very difficult to get your hands on. I mean, they were that secretly um, <laughs> um, protected. What a surprise! Yeah, what a surprise! <laughs> yes. Do you have a website? I do not. Not right now. I don't. I'm redoing my website. So yeah, well, he might he might be. You have the right pretty soon. Ah. Yeah, you can send you can send it to Ted, and, and if you got any other questions, and he'll forward them on to me, and then I'll see what I can do to answer them for you. Oh, bless you! Thank you very much. I if appreciate that. If Ted's willing to do that. <laughs> so when you're all, Genevieve, when you're all done, we'll ex- only expect you to either blind them with your brilliance or baffle them with your bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gee. So I've a got choice. a question, Paul. Yes. So you have a, oh, Monty. a pretty good parcel of land that you convey it privately to, you know, whoever, yourself, your entity, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what 
like in the case of my project, what if you want to parcel out that land to um, provide for other people? Um, how would that work? So that um, basically, you'll land patent in the whole segment, right? And under under the uh, land description, you would stipulate whatever portion that parcel is under the longitude and latitude and the uh, description of the property okay. and and its uh, boundary lines. And you would do that under a stipulation on the, um, um, basically under the legal description. And that's how you take it back from the giant parcel down to the lower parcel. But do that like after the fact. like You can do that anytime, right, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently surveyors, when they come in, they have to do something and register something with the state. That's right. It's under the Platt Act. Yep. Okay. And registers. So yep. Is land that surveyors. something that encumbers your your uh, land? When they register it, it does. <laughs> what do you think they want you to register it for? That's why they're <sighs> that's why they're registered land surveyors. Yes. Because they register your land back to the county. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Hey, do you remember mm-hmm. what I said about the word registration? Yeah. Well, yeah, I exactly. understand. That's why I'm asking the question because mm-hmm. I don't care can, what any kind of registration. Period. I know right. that. Well, so how can I how can I parcel out the property into smaller parcels without registering it? You can hire a um, land surveyor to do what is called a stake survey, and all they're going to do is put a stake in and tell you this is where your boundary lines are. And they'll they'll pound in a steel rod on the corners, uh, depending on how big the parcel is, and that you can probably do. But you're you're not looking for any any registered or certified copies because once they certify them, they're going back to the they're going back to the county where they uh, uh, where the uh, property is located. Then, right. The question is nine tenths of the law, Ted. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it might be nice if you if you don't know where the the property line is, but other than that. Um, that's the only reason to do that. So how can I provide these lots for future people and protect their rights? Oh, contract. Yes, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Once you get Whatever. the corner stakes, then you can measure out the boundary lines, you know, you know, 212 feet by 212 feet, you know, <laughs> if you want them to be an acre, um, or however big you want them. You know what I'm saying? But you'd have to stipulate that in there, that it would start from from this beginning point from here and go out 230 feet or 520 feet, then back in, you know, whether it's north, south, east, or west, and then it goes into that point. And then you do a longitude and latitude on them. And that's how you would describe that property. And it'd be stipulated that that is their parcel underneath the original land patent. It would still be land patented, but it would be stipulated that this is the only section of that land patent that they're entitled to. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's a private recording. Oh yeah. yeah. It, well, if you yeah, if you don't want the you don't want the county would, to get you would also would you also send a uh, notice of memorandum for that parcel? Um, you, yeah, you would do the private memorandum back to the um, clerk's office and know that you're instituting your land patent on that whole parcel, 
and then that's the last they need to know about it. After that, then they when you take you I know the whole is, parcel, but when you break that parcel up into smaller parcels, wouldn't you send yeah. them some kind of notice? No. Why would you do that if you took the property back? Technically, they're not allowed on your property anymore. Uh, well, it, the the idea is to uh, protect the future owners of that parcel. Well, mm-hmm. you have, what's the difference between private and public? Yep. <laughs> if it's private, it's private. Okay. Right. <clears throat> I'm telling you, when I get people into this community, there's going to be a massive learning curve. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then look at how they've been hammered the other direction for so long. I know. Yes. There's going to be a lot of people that may want to do this, but only a few that are going to qualify. Or, well, let's put it a different way. There's only going to be a few who are willing there to you go. expend the energy to qualify. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Can I ask an an unrelated question? And I think maybe, Monty, this would be for you because it's kind of going back to what we've discussed in previous weeks. Uh Uh-huh. Or, or, Tad, do you want to stick with land stuff? Go ahead. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, Monty, here we go again. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, you wrote in one of your books, the method to outline to free your property of tax obligations is not intended for use in situations involving property located within the boundaries of a corporate municipality. Only because of the added complexity, because you've got, you have to remember the municipalities are corporate uh, instrumentalities of the state. And they are given their own legislative powers, their own judicial powers, their own whatever. So you're dealing with an additional party with certain uh, limited powers, and that complicates what you're doing. Most people aren't up to handling that much complication. Mm, I'll cop to that. Okay. Um, That's why I said that in the book. I didn't recommend it. I didn't say it couldn't be done. uh, I just didn't recommend it. And I think Paul would Paul would agree with me on that. Absolutely. Yep. Oh yeah. Because you got to realize those corporations, their job is to protect the corporation. Yeah. Their job is to protect the revenue stream that they are collecting on. They keep thinking that all the money they're collecting is going back to make their wages. They don't realize none of it stays here. It goes to England and to the Vatican. We don't keep any of that money. It's a joke. They get they get a. Um, basically, they get a budget, and that's the money they get to get paid out of. That's it. They get allocations and funds from the government. You know, oh, re- so yeah, it's called yeah. revenue sharing. Yeah, that's revenue sharing. Correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's that's where they they take a dollar from you and give a quarter back, and then the quarter's got a string attached to it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Oh. And then another thing you say, Monty, is. Um, the major liability of being a shareholder, in quotes, in a city corporation is that it makes you subject to a great many of those political statutes that you wouldn't otherwise be, whether you're oh. registered to vote or not. Um, 
Yeah, because they're coming at you through through the through the property. They're not coming at you through the voter registration. Um, and remember, they operate on presumption, and it comes under indirect evidence. Indirect evidence is based on your conduct, not on direct um, evidence. Direct evidence will be a contract with a signature on it. If they don't have that, they'll use indirect evidence based on your conduct. Or slight evidence. Slight? Yeah, yeah. It, it, they've changed the statutes again so that all they need is just a hint of a... <laughs> oh, all they boy. need is a hint. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's good. That'll work. <laughs> that's, that's under the discretionary powers. <laughs> <laughs> he Judge almost walked law. into our office. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so even though um, I can get the county off my back, I'm still going to be subject to the codes, etc., of the city. Uh, to some extent, maybe. Um, Paul would probably be better able to answer that part of it, but because uh, I haven't researched it. Um, well, I technically, once you, yeah, once you do the land patent. And get that basically private and do not put the deed back on there. You're just putting a memorandum and showing that there was a sale and a, and a transfer. Okay. Basically, it's called a counter deed, which is a grant deed, but it's a counter deed to counter the original deed that you already got. Because the they already know have... you're the owner because you were, grant, you were the grantee. They already know you're the owner. You already got half ownership. But until you're the grantor, you're not the owner of the, the full owner of the property again. Okay, now, one thing that might have a bearing on this, I did mm-hmm. do some research on this. At one point, and I don't think it's changed, there was only one freehold city in the entire United States. That was the city of Long Beach, California. The only, really? reason, I found, <clears throat> the only reason I found out about it was under, uh, it came under California law as far as freehold cities, free, free oh. whole state, um, was the state was trying to enforce, they wanted the city of Long Beach to put in uh, proper um, sewers and sidewalks and streetlights and stuff to, to meet the state codes. Uh, and that was an agency that wanted that done. And the city of Long Beach basically said, we have a freehold charter um, and we're not subject to that. And it went all the way to the California Supreme Court, and the California Supreme Court said they're right. And yep. they told the state agency to kiss off because they they weren't subject to the, all those codes. San Francisco, um, too. Really? Yes. That's why Nancy Pelosi can hire labor at $1.20 an hour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Her employees only get paid a dollar twenty an hour. Who? Nancy Pelosi. Her husband owns a business, and all he oh. has to pay their employees is a dollar twenty an hour. They don't have to pay minimum wage. Well, if that's a dollar twenty in silver, I'll take it. Yeah, it's well, not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It's in Federal Reserve notes um, because they've gotten. I think you're right because they have the freehold because that's how they did it too. They're technically have the same freehold rights. Right. So anybody mm-hmm. in San Francisco could employ others for a dollar twenty an hour? They want. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they want to do. 
you want to hire your own group of slaves, I mean, that's okay. I mean, you got to sleep at night with that. So. Oh, yeah. Hmm. No. <laughs> Would okay. So, would recording a land patent unbind us from the political codes of the city? Why would you want to record it? It's already oh, well, recorded. Uh, no, here's okay. here's another avenue for recording, even under your memorandum. Um, you can do like what they do. You can file a UCC one, and then a UCC one AD, and put it in as a fixture filing under your notice and memorandum. And now it's not actually on the public record. It goes into another book under a grantor grantee, and it's going to show that you're the true owner of the property under that fixture filing. That way the public won't know, and then they can take it out. I mean, that's the only other way you can get it recorded. Okay. Well, there's, there's one other way to get it recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit involved. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's not easy. All of this property yeah. doesn't need If you yeah, get... If you get a notary public to mm-hmm. witness the document, to witness the transaction, mm-hmm. then go to the Secretary of State and tell them you want that notary, you want that document with that notary seal put under apostille. Mm-hmm. Then the apostille makes it um, admissible evidence in every country in the world that is considered a Catholic country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's under the Hague Convention. I've I've done that by the way. I went to the Secretary mm-hmm. of State uh, Corporations Division and, and I gave mm-hmm. them my all cats name mm-hmm. that they are very fond of. Mm-hmm. And I had them yeah. cert- I had them certified that there was there's about fourteen variations on that. There's your first name, <laughs> middle initial, last name, first name, oh, middle yeah. name, last name, mm-hmm. uh, last name, first name, middle initial. You know mm-hmm. all the variations. There's about fourteen of them. I had them certify every single one of those that there was no corporation by that name, mm-hmm. and there was no. Uh, um, I think I put that in the handbook, um, and no um, DBA or partnership or uh, general partnership or anything else under that name or any of those names. I had them certify every one of those names. It's not being, they have no no uh, record of any entity with that name. And I put all of them, this is this is the unusual part, because they're only ap- supposed to apostille one document at a time. Mm-hmm. I had them put every one of those, there were several pages under one apostille. And the, the guy who was working with me on it, he said, you're probably holding the only document in the entire United States like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, here's my thought on this whole thing. Once you put it in the record, even if it's under a private book and, and record, you know, it's an off book basically off the public record and do a land and do your um, fixture filing there. Once it gets a library page and instrument number, now you can take it from there and get like three or four certified copies. And now you can take it up to the Secretary of State's office and, and get them authenticated. Matter of fact, you should authenticate them in a non-Hague state. Now it's outside the territorial jurisdiction. Now it's a full authenticated record that you can present to anybody that you're the true owner of the property. Well, you're the other way, this yeah. at, the, at the state way, yeah. 
Now, another way you can possibly do it, I'm not going to say you can, but mm-hmm. it occurs to me, um, I used to stake mill site claims under mining law for people. Oh. And uh, I did a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And um, the because uh, there are some differences, but under mining law, there are a lot of advantages. Um, what you could do is take your document, make a number of copies, put a post up on every corner of your property, and put that document, that copy of that document on that post. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this is speaking of posting property, um, mm-hmm. is it a re- do you think it's a red flag to put out a note? I live in in a little tiny city. We don't even have sidewalks where I am, and you know. But, but, but I'm are you saying you're are you saying you're a hillbilly? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I actually live on the side of a hill, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. It'll be slightly rural Your point. or urban. Yeah. <laughs> suburban. That's it. That's what it's called, suburban. <laughs> yeah. Um, is putting up a no trespassing sign kind of a red flag, do you think? No, but what you want to do is take the ING off the end of it, just no trespass. Oh. There you go. And what what would make the difference? What's the difference? Paul, you want to tell her? <laughs> well, wow, you just like you just put like a whole another a whole another level of uh, security on your property because <laughs> anybody even walks on your property is subject to tort claims. <laughs> even with, with the with... trespassing on there, they're not nobody's nobody's walking on your property unless somebody has. Um, some kind of agenda to either try to steal the property or whatever. They technically, when those no trespassing signs are on the property, no trespass. Now it's a tort action against whoever whoever does it. I mean, it's automatic tort damage. And you take a picture of them on your property, and and you can sue them for everything they have. Excuse me, I take a picture of my sign. If, no, no, you take a picture of whoever's on your property. Oh, okay. Violation. Yeah. And does mm-hmm. that does that uh, no trespass sign have to be at the outer edge of my property, or can it just be actually on my house? How far do you want people to walk on your land? <laughs> there you go. Well, they don't have to walk very far to get to my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. here's the other thing, but you got to realize once you put those signs up. Um, you're not going to get packages very often. Um, mailman, UPS people, um, FedEx, all those guys are, take that stuff very serious, and, and they'll leave your package at the road. You know, they're not going to, they can't deliver your package because they're not going to trespass at all. Okay. They already know what that means. But right. then you, you can make an exception for identified package deliveries, right? You would have well, to put that, that on your sign. Why, yeah. do, why, why yeah. do you want to complicate yeah. it? Yeah. Well, you want your package? Yeah. Well, could I take my sign down when I'm expecting a UPS delivery? <laughs> well, can you, can you, you sit out on the roadside in your lawn chair and wait for them? <laughs> well, wait. What, what you, were you going to say, Paul? you got another option. You can take your mailbox down. I don't your, have one. Take your, 
Oh, you don't have a mailbox? No. No home you have, delivery uh, here. house numbers on your house? No. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, put well, a then barrel, you just... Put a barrel down there with a lid on it. So it's got a door. <laughs> right. And there you go. Packages U- only. UPS yeah. on it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There you go. Wait, wait. I didn't hear quite what you said, Monty. What? You put a take a, a barrel. You can get thirty gallon barrels or whatever with a lid, and hinge it so that they can be used as a door. Put it on the edge of your property next to the road or whatever, uh-huh. and paint and paint UPS on it. They will deliver to it. <laughs> oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And another one that says FedEx. Yeah. Right. Put that on there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Whatever whatever postal delivery service you want, you can have it delivered there. Oh. You gotta stop thinking in terms of limitation. When you're acting as a sovereign, you can do whatever you choose to do as long as you don't injure anyone else. Right. Uh, is it important to have more than one sign? You like on have all on, corners of my property, or well, corners or uh, all four sides, or if you got several sides. I once staked a mill site claiming it had sixteen corners. Yeah, oh. right. That was, yes, that was a lot of odd shape. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. got odd shape property, it gets a little encumbersome. Yes. <laughs> well, they wanted they wanted it on a yeah. stream that was a uh, there was a horseshoe shape in the stream there. So I had to chalk the corners to keep the stream in the center of it. Oh. <laughs> but um, you know that—that's the whole thing. Is you have you have to discipline yourself to think outside the box, to think beyond restrictions. As long as you don't injure anyone else or their rights, you can do whatever you want to do. Hmm? That's right. Well, it seems that I can't because I live in a city. And well, they have if somebody no. says you can't do that, you say, show me the enabling authority that empowers you to tell me that. You have, that's what your covenant is on your warranty deed. <laughs> and and that's, that's what gives them... Yes, okay. that's their authority. Is there is there restriction under the covenant, under the... Um, as I said, typically it's the yeah, covenant of easements and or appurtenances. That's the huge word. People have no clue. That means everything. You know, that gives them the right to run gas and electric and water and whatever underground utilities or above ground utilities um, because it's all owned by the municipal government, all of it. Sure. And it's, that's, it's under that's the uh, DOD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's precisely what I was referring to in the books mm-hmm. as you brought up about yeah. being a shareholder in the corporation. When you register to vote, you're a shareholder in the corporation, but the difference is you only get, regardless of how uh, how much you have registered in property, you only get one vote. And it's a Class B uh, share. It's not a Class A share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You, know, you know your tiny lot is also called a cemetery plot. You know that, right? I have heard that. Yeah, that's where dead people reside, because that's what you do. When you register to vote, you reside there, which means that gives you subject to the corporation. I've also heard that there's um, some block grant money that needs to be 
uh, page. <laughs> oh, what am I? Sorry. Why am I making you laugh? I, you know a lot more about this than I do. That's called a sucker punch. <laughs> yeah, you know what the block grants are, don't you? What? The block the block grants are from all the people, all the dead people that had birth certificates. They put a block grant. They put a twenty-five dollar agricultural lien to create you as chattel that you were dead, and they put an agricultural lien on you for $25. That's your other contract that you have. And I've also heard that you can pay that, that you, you can, can pay that to your county of birth yeah. or your parish it, of birth. Uh, uh, yeah, it, right, district, parish, whatever the land description is, yes. Now, and also you regarding... You can go to the IRS, too, and the Social Security Administration offices. I'm sorry, what would you do with them? They also got to get notice. You also have to, because you got to let the IRS know through the Treasury. Um, John Cosner, the commissioner of the IRS, he's technically the commissioner of the Treasury, and he has to get notice that you're getting rid of the lien, because the lien was technically in Maryland, but your county, through no fault of your own, um, took the ownership of the property and transferred the lien on it, and, and they put a Maryland lien on your property, no matter where you were born in the United States. And so, yeah. a, a question regarding actually paying that, well, mm-hmm. or, you know, right. I don't know, paying, that's a hard word to use anymore, but we'll just <laughs> say pay. Um, Set off debt. That when you, when if it's say twenty five dollars, I've heard it was only ten, but mm-hmm. when you pay the twenty five dollars, if mm-hmm. you only pay twenty five dollars, you are not actually paying the full amount because there's a ten percent tax or something on that. <laughs> um actually it's ten times that amount. That goes to the administrative services that um through their block grant and the money they borrowed, um, that's how they add the extra money. And typically, there's a lot more departments that get paid. You know, just like when you get a mortgage, uh, they give you one tenth credit on your HUD statement, and they keep the other nine tenths. And to keep it so they don't have to pay taxes on the money they earned under their FinCEN, they were supposed to report the earnings. So they take a down draw on a security agreement and take it off booking, then create their pooling and servicing agreement to their securities and their uh, uh, false derivatives and telling these uh, investors they got AAA paper and that they own something that was never truly owned. I mean, it was an off-book security that they took. So they got the money both ways and didn't have to pay any income taxes on it. It's tax fraud. It's tax evasion, actually, what they're doing. Ah. Well, mm-hmm. where I was going with it, because I almost don't understand most of what you said, <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Different. That's okay. I, I got the bigger end of it. I mean, it's the top end what they actually do to you. <laughs> well, what what I, where I was going with that is, mm-hmm. if you only pay the say the twenty five dollars, if they voluntarily accept it, that's adequate. Right, right, you, right. You tendered a payment. I mean, oh. there's, there's oh, Supreme so Court. Oh, so when you tender the right. payment, you need to say as payment in full. Exactly. For full consideration to accord and satisfaction. Once oh. you do that, now you paid everything. And then they voluntarily accepted it's binding. Right. 
72 hours to accept it. That's it. So when you uh, mm-hmm. tender your offer of payment, you mm-hmm. should have it in writing. <laughs> yeah, certified or registered mail, yeah. That's that's redundant, uh, Genevieve. Tender mm-hmm. is offer. They mean the same thing. Oh. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, hey, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate your your educating me. And another question back to the UCC that you've mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Now this was um, Monty mentioned the UCC. Um, putting uh, putting your now I can't even remember putting something on the UCC three. Oh, um, the name. I think it was the name. Mm-hmm. And oh no, well, it was Paul saying put it put it on the yeah. Uh, yeah put it on the UCC yeah. one. Okay. Correct. Now I already have UCC. Uh, one and then a UCC three, and okay, you know that's an assignment of whatever you used on a UCC one. A UCC mm-hmm. isn't typically an assignment to transfer, assign, terminate, or whatever a debt. That's what a three is for. So, so what is it that you were, or one of you, <laughs> was saying uh, to <laughs> to put on? The UCC one or or three. Well, typically when you file a UCC one, mm-hmm. typically you'll fill out the UCC one. And it'll ask whether you're doing it for the administration of a decedent, or whether you're putting this in on it as a fixture filing. Fixture filing first, is what I did. Fixture filing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you did a fixture filing on on the UCC one AD, there's typically under box. 13 or 14, it'll say that this is a fixture filing to go into the land record. There'll be one box that'll say who's the registered owner of the property, which would be your capital name, your upper and lower case name, and then the actual fixture, which would be your uh, affidavit or memorandum of uh, ownership put into the record. Now it goes into a separate book. It doesn't go into the regular land record. Now it's a fixture file on a separate grantee grantor book. Now you can become the owner of the property, you know, outside the public record. That's the only other record there can be under now it's under Admiralty Maritime and under the jurisdiction. Uh oh boy. You've oh got yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> my my UCC books are fourteen hundred pages each. I have two of them. Oh wow. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. I use them as doorstops. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they're four inches thick. God, <laughs> yeah. you're okay, so, so creative. <laughs> so, you guys, it's getting kind of late. Okay. This has been a, a great little talk, and I think we should probably start to wrap it up. What do you think? Whatever you need. I'm here. If you want yeah, to I wanna, I wanna, yeah. yeah, and I want to personally thank Paul for coming on tonight. Absolutely. Oh, me too. Me three. Me <laughs> four. Me five. All right. <laughs> Sound off. Roll call. There you go. Thank I you very a, much. It was a pleasure. A it's been a journey for me too. So I'm just sharing what I what I've learned. So. Well, thank you so much, and thank you again, Monty, and thank you, mm-hmm. Tad. 
Oh, thank, thank you, everybody. you, Genevieve. You're always enlightening and fun to, to yeah. have on. <laughs> Chad, can I throw in a can I Chad, this is Rich, can I throw in a question or two about Torrens? And just a couple only of if, only comments? if you're rich. I am rich. <laughs> you know what? He is. Everybody <laughs> is. They just don't know it. <laughs> well no, he is rich. He is rich? Oh. Go ahead, Dude. Rich. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, first of all, Torrens Act, is that spelled T-O-R-R-A-N-S? Yes. Uh, yes. E, e like Edward? Okay. And approximately what is the year? Uh, 1805. Oh, my. Yes, sir. Uh, that's back almost to Marbury versus Madison. Uh, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, one, one year. <laughs> yeah. Some very, very seminal things happened in those days. Okay, yeah, uh, just a couple. Of, yeah, please go ahead. No, I was going to say because uh, Hale versus Hinkle came in shortly after that as well, and then they shepherdized it in 1905, I think, or 1907. So same thing. I'm really glad you said that, but it's probably mm-hmm. another subject for another day. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's leave that. There's a, a wonderful 1793 decision about um, sovereigns without subjects. I can't think of the name of the case. It's somebody Chisholm versus uh, Georgia, I believe. And I'm interested in uh, your guys' take on that at some appropriate time. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, right at the moment, though, I was going to just have a couple anecdotes uh, talking about um, how the the uh, government is protecting the uh, corporation from our claims, et cetera. And that's one of the major purposes, as you were saying earlier. Correct. Correct. You say you saying yes. 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 Right. Yes. Right. Well, you yes, reminded me. You reminded me of and this is third, third person. I don't have, or you know, it's repeated to me by one person, but I know him. He's trustworthy, uh, and uh, he told me that a Northern Cal public defender, I believe the public defender was uh, retired at the time, but anyway, he explained what public defender means, which <laughs> is that, that they defend the public yep. against us. That's right. All they're trying to do, they're not trying to get anybody exonerated or found not guilty. They just want to make sure that the law is not violated, the procedure is not violated, so that that person cannot later come back against the state or the municipality for uh, lack of due process or whatever. They're well, I mean, protecting te- the public against us. Yes, that's what they are. They're protecting it from us for us. Right. You know. It is. That's, that's technically what they've done. Yes. Right. There's a circular argument. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, all, if you really want it, you really to want to get back to it. it. It comes back down into when when you were originally born. Um, three days after you were born, they created and registered your birth, and they also created what they called a bastardly proceeding under a punitive uh, father registration, and that's how they take title back to you in these courts. So. Oh, new. I hadn't heard because that. because you're you're dead and uh, you never said that you were alive and you left your property at the county and forgot to register it. Well, I wasn't originally born. I was just <laughs> born in the born in the usual fashion. <laughs> you had an antipathy, <laughs> did you? <laughs> so regarding regarding the document that that Monty mentioned that you did the 14 variations of your name. 
Can that be done by an attorney, in fact, for someone else? Um, I suppose you could because it's under the um, under the federal level. It's under FOIA, and under uh, state, it's uh, public disclosure laws or full disclosure laws, whatever they call it. Yeah, they allow powers of attorney. Okay, good, good. But well, we you got to realize also, when you do a general power of attorney, if it's not limited or restricted, yeah. that means the state, when you record that document, um, that means the state has the same authority as whatever power of attorney you gave somebody else. Because you recorded it. Because you recorded it. And they acquire. Uh-huh. They they acquire the right. It's like you deposited, you made a general deposit into their depository without right. making any special requirements. So yes, they still have title to your power of attorney. I think okay. the applicable word to describe that, uh, Paul, and you you can disagree if you want. I mm-hmm. think the applicable term is bearer bond. Oh yeah, exactly. All right, you yeah. guys. I think it's about time we wrap this up. So, um, Paul, thank you very much for being here tonight. It's obviously very enlightening, and you have a lot thank of you. knowledge. You too, Monty. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And Genevieve, as always, we appreciate your participation. So, <laughs> oh, bless you. Everybody, thank you very much, and you have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you, Chad, for having this program thank for you, so Chad. many years. Mm. Good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.